0: If you would turn to Malachi chapter 1, I like that name, that's a cool name to me, Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. So glad you could make it back tonight. Uh, See some guests in the crowd and if you're a guest we welcome you, we hope that you Enjoy being here, and for the next several Sundays, I'm going to present a couple lessons out of the Book of Malachi. Uh, I I really love the Book of Malachi. There's a lot in it, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to talk about some of the stuff in it. Uh, but before we begin, I just let me give a little bit of a background on it. Uh, the timeline for Malachi was. to 425 B.C. What was going on around the world at that time... ...was Persia was in control of the world... ...and in 536, and these dates may be a little bit off... uh, ...a tiny remnant of the Hebrew people... ...returned to Jerusalem from captivity in Babylon... Uh, Between 520 and 510 B.C., God's temple had been rebuilt under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah had greatly encouraged this work. They were involved in that. Um, Around 458 B.C. is when Ezra comes along and he uh, helps to reorganize the nation. Uh, bringing uh, the worship back to where it should be. And then in 445 B.C., Nehemiah comes and helps rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah leaves for a short period of time, and then he goes back to Persia, uh, and then he comes back to visit Jerusalem in about 432 B.C. Malachi's message is sometime in between that departure and coming back. Um, And so that kind of puts us in the time frame of where we're at. The the Jewish people or the the Hebrew people or the Israelites had come out of captivity uh, and were back in Jerusalem. Now Malachi, his name means messenger of Jehovah. That's a pretty cool name. The messenger of Jehovah. He was fearless. I mean, he really was. He spoke plainly to the Hebrews. He just told them how it was. Uh, He feared God. You could tell by how he speaks, but he didn't fear men. Um, And he was proud to be a child of God. You can see in his writings how proud he was to be a child of God. Uh, And he was very sensitive to wickedness and disrespectfulness to how people were acting towards God. So just looking at the qualities of this prophet Malachi, I mean, he's somebody that uh, was somebody to look up to, really, as far as doing God's will. You know, his main the key thoughts of Malachi is remember, repent, and return. And thinking along those lines, we think about Romans fifteen four as we're looking back into the Old Testament and it says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we see what happens to these Israelites. We look at their uh, situation and how they were handling uh, serving God. And then we learn from them and then we make the application to our lives. And then guess what? We do it. (laughs) That's the hard one, ain't it? We hear it and we're so quick to be able to say, man, they weren't doing it the right way. But then when we turn around and start making the application on our life... Then it's like, wait a minute. I'm not doing nothing either, right? Here I am talking bad about, about the Israelites, but then in the same sense, I'm doing the exact same thing. And we're on this side of the cross. We got Jesus. So the the, the nation of Israel at this time was in a terrible state. The priests were corrupt. And that's what we're going to talk about this evening. They were lazy in their service to the Lord. Uh, many Jews even questioned whether they were God's people. They were disheartened and they were decaying spiritually. They they were dying on the inside, and they blamed God. Go figure, right? What do we do when we run into problems and we struggle in life? Who's the first one we blame? God, really? Why'd you do this to me? I mean, I'm trying to do right and this is what happens. This is what I get. The respect for the Lord and His commands were just not there. So let's look at the first chapter, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in these first uh, couple verses, but let's read verses 1 through 5 real quick. The burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord. Yet Jacob I loved, but Esau I've hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has has said, we have been impoverished. But we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, They may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel." We see that the Lord immediately, verse 2, He says, I have loved you. And the people in turn say, in what way have you loved us? In what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Kind of a smart aleck comment back to God. Oh, how he loved Jacob. But oh, how he hated Esau. Why did he hate Esau? Because Esau was wicked. Edom was a place of wickedness. They never did anything right. They never did anything that was according to God's will. Every time they had a chance to do it, they never did it. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in the history of that, but that's the main gist of it. They were a wicked people and they did not have any concern for following God at all. And he says, My name, the Lord, is going to be magnified beyond the borders of Israel. You'll see it. You'll see who I am. But remember this. I loved you. I love you. The first point to consider this evening is just that. The Lord loves us. You see, in the Old Testament, all the times, all the lessons that we could talk about, about how much God loved His people. If you will, turn with me to Deuteronomy 28, just real quick. I've got several verses that I'd like for you to flip to tonight. But Deuteronomy 28. But you see, from parting the Red Sea, from defeating nation after nation, keeping His promise on the promised land, you know, the one flowing with milk and honey, every time He said it, He did it. Every time He said it was going to be done, it was done. And look at this. Just think about uh, what He tells the Israelites at the very beginning of this. Look at verse 1. And I'm not going to read everything, but I just want you to catch what... If somebody didn't love you, would they do this? Would they say this? Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall be you be in the city and blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl." Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. I mean over and over again. Blessed shall you be if you keep my commands. Why did I make these commands? Because I love you. Because I care about you. Every time we doubt, every time we wonder, just remember this. The Lord loves you. Think about it today. How do we know that the Lord loves us today? Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 says this, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. The Lord had a plan for His people. And guess what? Jews and Gentiles were a part of it. And that was predestined early, from the beginning. We were once considered outside of the family. Think about it. The family of God. We were considered outside. But God loved us so much, He brought us in. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That's incredible to me. That's amazing to me. If we really believe in God, if we really believe God Almighty wanted us to be a part of His family, not just because, because He loved us. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. God loves us. He made a plan for us. And He shows us. Ephesians 2.11 says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were aliens. We were separated from God's family. How do we know God loves us? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His only Son. We know Jesus is the love of God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for the example that you uh, give us as Christians. What did He do for humanity? He saved us. I mean, that's really big. That's really something to think about. Yeah, I've heard it so much, Matt. Come on. Let's talk about something else. Really? About something else? Other than Jesus Christ? The one who came to save you? The one who who shows God's love for you? I can't do it. He says, but you are far from... Me, but I brought you near through Jesus Christ. Because I loved you. Ephesians 2.16 says, And that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And one more. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Turn back with me to Malachi 1 and we'll just hang there for a little bit. Because I want to establish that at first because we need to understand, and we all do, but I want you to be thinking along those lines that God loves us. God loved the children of Israel. He allowed them to go into captivity, and here He is, He's brought them back. He's set up and established the temple again, and guess what happens? They go back into the routine of a regular, oh, just doing what we got to do. Look at verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master... If then I am the Father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? We're the priests, aren't we brethren? We're the chosen, called out people, right? The second thing to consider is, is our actions as priests despising to the Lord? Look at verse 7. You offer defiled food on my altar. But saying, what way have we defiled you? By saying this. The table of the Lord is contemptible. Now, remember what the priest's job was. The priest's job was to... Put the sacrifice on. Their job was to present the sacrifice to the Lord. And what he says right here is he says, You are defiling the altar. And they say, How have we defiled the altar? And he says, By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible, worthless, despicable despised. Think about those three words. That's how God compares their attitude towards His altar. Worthless. Despicable. And despised. I don't want anything to do with it. Or, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) It doesn't really matter anymore, really. This altar talk. I could care less really what I put up there, or I don't really want to be a part of that. Their attitude was lazy. The reverence was gone for God Almighty, the one who loved them. Look at these, just look at this a little bit. Look at verse 8. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick... Is it not evil? Think about what they were putting on the altar. Blind animals. Lame and sick animals. You remember what they were supposed to put on there? Without spot or blemish, right? They were supposed to put the best thing on there. But what was happening? Just doing what I got. Well, at least I put one up there, right? I mean, what? What do you mean? How have I defiled it? I put something up there, right? I gave you something. Blind, lame, sick. And look at what he says in verse 8 after is it not evil? He says, offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Go give it to your governor. Go give that blind, lame, sick goat to your governor and say, here you go, why don't you cook that up? He's gonna say, How dare you bring that in my presence? You know I only eat the finest things. And he definitely don't love you as much as God, right? You see the application right there? It's huge. Look at it just a little bit more. But now entreat God's favor that He may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Lord, have mercy on us. Be gracious. Bless us, will you? And here I am just giving you whatever. I'm doing it. Will He accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. I like this one. Oh man, this is a challenge for me. He says, who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? There isn't even one of you in here that would say, stop, man. Wait a minute. We're not doing it right. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun... Even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. in every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you, priests, profane it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food is contemptible. It's worthless, it's despicable, it's despised. You also say, oh what weariness. It's hard, it's hard to do this. It's hard to get a goat or a lamb or whatever the sacrifice is the right way. It's hard to do that. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering... Should I accept this from your hand? Says the Lord. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Understands what he needs to do. Has a lamb that's probably okay but instead he sends one that's blemished. Just outright disrespect for the God who loves Him so much. The application is huge for us, and it comes from such a well-known verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you. You hear Paul? I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you. I'm trying to get you to understand this. Brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. How we talk. How we act. How we handle situations. How we answer people. How we get angry. How we persevere through trials and temptations. Can we present ourselves as an acceptable sacrifice? Can we do it if we're living in sin? No. If we're living in sin, can we do it? No. Can we present ourselves to be a sacrifice that's holy to God if we continue to live like the world? No. Because look what he says in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. You want to know how you present yourself to be a presentable sacrifice that's holy and acceptable? You're not conformed to the world. And the world's standards and what it believes and what it says to do. But you're transformed. I love the word. The transformer, right? From robot to a Ferrari, man. That's what I was, that's what I want to be, Ferrari real fast. But be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Then I can prove, I prove it, I prove it. I prove who I love. I prove who I want to present an acceptable sacrifice to. I haven't just become so complacent in Christianity that I forgot what I was supposed to be doing. Oh, i got to go to church. i got to go on Sunday night and Wednesday. I want to go to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday. And you know what? I want to have a Bible study and I want to do all this and visit and da-da all the time. Because I want to present myself as a living sacrifice that is acceptable to Jehovah. Jehovah, Yahweh, God Almighty. The things in our lives show the Lord spiritually what kind of sacrifice we'll present to Him. It shows what kind of sacrifice it'll be, whether it's blind, lame. Could you imagine? Man, a lame, blind, sick, stolen. A stolen lamb. Not only did I go get a blind and sick lamb, but I went and stole it and then presented it to God. It's just too hard, Lord. It's too hard for me to live this way. Oh, what weariness. Being tired and just flat, you know. I remember in basketball when we'd go out, the starters would get out. The first five would get out on the basketball court. And this happened many a times uh, when I lived in California. We'd get out there and we would look just terrible. Fouling, attitudes, traveling, whatever you could think. Getting ran up and down the court. And guess what happened within about a minute? We all got pulled out. Y'all need to sit on the bench. Y'all need to get something straightened out. We'll just put these other boys in and y'all can just stay on the bench. No effort. But we're the chosen generation, brethren. We're the royal priesthood. When we look at our lives and we really do some soul searching, can we grow anywhere? Can we do better anywhere? Or do we just think the table of the Lord is worthless? Do our actions show that we think it's despicable? Or we really just despise it? Which brings me to my third and final point. Look at the end of verse 14. He says, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name is to be feared among the nations. Hey, if you're slacking, hey, if you're not doing like you're supposed to be doing, remember two things. First, God loves you. And remember this too. You better fear Him. Because He's real and there's coming a day. There is coming a day. That word there, to be fearful of, to cause astonishment, to be in awe of. This is the God of everything we're talking about. Proverbs 10 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And it really goes back to verse 6 Where is my honor? Have you forgot who I am? Where is my reverence? See, what's so awesome about Jesus, what's so awesome about Him, is He said that I didn't come to be served, which I should be. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. We're talking about the Almighty God. Psalms 104, 24 and 25 says, O Lord, how manifold are Your works, In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. That's who we're talking about. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. You look into the sky, you see God and His glory and what He's about. This is who we're talking about. This is the one who says, present your body a living sacrifice because I loved you so much I sent Jesus to make a way for you to be my child. Hebrews 9.27 says this though, it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment... Judgment. Paul understood it. 2 Corinthians five ten and 11, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. That each one may receive the things done in the body. According to what he's done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He was persuading men. Why? Because of the terror of the Lord. Hey, we don't realize it maybe sometimes in today because it's so pushed off. You know, it seems so distant to us. That God is really alive and God is really uh, doing things, but guess what? He is And one day we'll be faced with having to deal with Him face to face. Judged according to our deeds, whether good or bad. But God loves us so much. He just wants us to do what we should do, what we know we should do. He sent Jesus to save mankind. I want you to just look at the last part. of It's actually in chapter 2. And this is where it starts, brethren. He says, And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, Says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already. Why? Because you do not take it to heart. There it is. The crux of the matter, right? That's how the cookie crumbles, right? It has to come right here. I think about this verse all the time, Matthew ten twenty eight. it says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. The priests in the time of Malachi were in a state of laziness with no reverence for the one God who delivered them and blessed them and would take care of them. They had gone back into thinking, it was too hard, it doesn't really matter. We today as a chosen generation, the called out people, can't fall into that same trap. My challenge for you this week, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're doing just mediocre in your Christianity, attack it. Say no more. Will I do this? Because I want to present to you, God, a holy and acceptable sacrifice that's pleasing to you. I love you all, brethren, so much. I thank you for what you mean to me, and I thank you for what you mean to my family. And I've been saying this, and I'm just going to keep saying it. I pray that you'll be strong and courageous this week. I pray that you'll not be afraid when temptation and struggle comes your way. That you'll look to God for guidance through His Word. And when it comes, just know Satan's on the attack. And he wants God's kids to fail But don't do it. Jesus is with you. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you for what you do for us. I love you so much. You may be here and you need to repent. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something you've done. But maybe you're here tonight and you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you need to become a child of God. (laughs) There's nothing better than to do that. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. We're talking about saved, able to go to heaven one day and have your sins forgiven and have a clean slate with God Almighty. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe uh, it's been uh, weighing on your heart. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need to repent, come right now, together we stand and sing.